We are continuing this morning in the life of Abraham in Genesis 21. And as we uh, begin this morning, we'll read that passage in a second. What I want to think about the amazement of some of the recent, uh, fairly recent inventions, things like telescopes and how amazing they are, how they can magnify things. You Sometimes you'll look at uh, the images that come back that NASA will post and just amazing clarity of things so far away. And it's, uh, it's really incredible to see. Or we can think of microscopes on the other level, how it doesn't magnify the things far away, but the things that are very close and small. And those, how it's amazing we can we can zoom in on something so little or zoom in on something so big with such clarity and it's really a reminder of really god's creation in us and how he created us with eyes the human eye and its amazing ability to to zoom in on something that's far away or something that's close and even when we maybe don't have that ability, don't have 20-20 vision, right? We still understand that that's an amazing quality, an amazing skill to be able to, to look at something here and then look at something far away and how quickly we can, we can change focus and see the big picture or see something very close to us. And this morning as we look at this passage we're reminded that we can we can zoom in on it and see what's going on right here in this short 10 or 12 verses and then we can zoom out and we can see how this fits together with the rest of the bible not only what's going on with abraham's life but what is going on in the whole flow of god's storyline from beginning to end and so read with me if you would genesis 21 And starting in verses 22, and we'll read through 24, 34, excuse me. Genesis 21, 22, and the word of the Lord says this. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants, or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, And the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me, that I dug this well. Therefore that place was called Beersheba, because they're both there, both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. 
And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. So we see as we'll walk through this, we'll, we'll first we'll zoom in what is happening in this passage and then we'll zoom out and see how it connects to the bigger storyline of Abraham's life and what's happening in the Bible. But just as we start, as we look at the details of this passage, we see Abimelech comes to Abraham. He wants to make a treaty right with him, a covenant with him. And so this is probably the same Abimelech that was in the last chapter in chapter 20 that Abraham had a, a run-in with with Sarah and Abraham. Uh, it's probably the same one. We don't know for sure. Abimelech is kind of like the name Pharaoh. It could be a title, a position name, or like a family name, kind of like Pharaoh or president. But it's probably the same person because we see them acting very much the same way and how they, they treat Abraham well, but they're also maybe kind of shady at the same time. Uh, but Abimelech and Phicol, their commander of the army, they come, they want to make this covenant, and it's really a sign that, hey, this is something important to them. They almost view it as a matter of national security. This is the commander of the army. He wants to come and make sure this, this happens, right? So Abraham, we see, is already becoming a great nation, a great person. God's already starting to fulfill those things in him and they want to make sure that their people that their land is preserved that they're on the good side of abraham and so they come they propose this covenant and then abraham he says he'll make the covenant but first he wants to make sure something gets cleared up with them and that's in verse 25 and following there's this issue of this well right and so abimelech wants to come and make a what you might call a goodwill covenant so there's goodwill between each party, right? But Abraham says, well, if we're going to do that, we need to clear up this issue because I'm not sure there actually is goodwill between us. I want to make sure there is because your servants have taken my well. So what's going on with this? He wants to clear that up before he enters into this covenant. It's hard to be in a goodwill covenant if you're unsure of whether the other person is actually going to act in goodwill towards you. Right, And so Abraham is looking at this. And so surely, I mean, from that, there's surely some wisdom to gain there. Right? It's, it's hard for us to enter into a, a contract, a covenant, an agreement with people unless there's, there's similarities, there's an understanding, there's uh, goodwill between us. We can think about that in terms of jobs, right? It's hard to, to work with someone if you don't think they have your best interests involved or they probably won't hire you if they're not convinced that you'll do a, a good enough job for them, right? Or you think of deals between business partners or companies, same thing. We can think about it on lots of terms, marriages, uh, schools. You probably want to know what school is teaching, right, to make sure it lines up with what you believe or agree with or at least to a certain extent, you may not agree with everything, but is there, is there enough agreement on the important details, right? In those decisions we have to make as families. And it's the same for churches as well. We think about how it's hard to, to unite to a church, to gather together with other believers if there's not agreement with them on beliefs, on practices, and so, we think even of here of how our church, you know, has a, has a 
statement of faith, has a, a church covenant. And so part of gathering together is as members, we, we agree to those things. And so we're, we're united, we're walking in agreement. And so Abimelech is kind of following this principle, Abraham and Abimelech. They, Abraham wants to make sure there's, there's this agreement. They're on the same page with what's going on. And so they clear it up. And through the course of this, essentially by accepting these lambs, Abimelech is saying, yes, this is your will. That's, that's how the agreement, that's how the contract, this was a witness that Abimelech saying, yes, this is yours. And so notice that Abraham ends up with this well. So if you think about it, Abraham has been, even at the end of this passage, we see that Abraham sojourns many days in the land of the Philistines. He's been a sojourner, right? He's been wandering about through the land, sometimes through the land of Canaan, sometimes down through the land of the Philistines, as we see here. But he's never really had his own land. He's never had his own place to stay. But here is one instance where we see, hey, he's got a well. This is maybe not land, but... There's something established about this, right? That he's beginning to, to receive that promise where God is beginning, even in just this little bit, to fulfill this promise of land. It's starting to come. And so in this passage, that's, we zoom in and we see these things happening. There's really, we might look at this and say, there's not a lot going on here. It's a pretty straightforward passage. Maybe we can learn some things about agreeing with others or how to make a business deal, maybe. But we look at it and we think, is that it? Are we done? Do we just close our Bibles in the shortest sermon ever when we go home this morning? We don't want to, uh, the answer is no. <laughs> but uh, we don't want to just make things up that aren't there, right? Sometimes we can stare at things and we can come up with connections that aren't actually there in the Bible. We'll just, we'll look at it so long. We want something to be there, so we'll make it there. But we don't want to do that. But we do want to make sure we're, we're paying attention, we're thinking about this, and so we're not missing other things in it. And so when we zoom in, that's really most of what we can see in it. But this is really a time where we can zoom out. We can remind ourselves that the Bible is not a collection of individual stories, right? I don't know uh, if you're familiar with children's storybook Bibles, uh, but as a parent with young kids, you know, we read them to our kids uh, and it's a great time, but usually most of them are just a collection of the, the major stories in the Bible, right? And so you'll read a chapter and it'll be on David and Goliath, or you read a chapter and it'll be on Daniel and the lion's den, and so forth, so on and so forth, right? But there's usually just the chapter and then that's it. There's, this is this text, this passage, this story, and then this is this one, but there's usually no connection between them, right? They're standalone things, usually. There are some that do kind of connect the storyline of the Bible, but most of them are like that. And so when we're reading the Bible, we don't want to fall into that as well. We don't want to think, hey, this is just a passage, and so I've learned this, and then, okay, I learned some facts from it, and then I move on to the next passage. No, the Bible is one storyline. It's one, it's written by one author. And so we don't want to forget that. It was 
God used many people to write it, but God is the author, right? It is breathed out by God, and he is the one who inspired it all and fits it together so there's no contradiction. It's completely true, and it it follows this progression, this development all the way through so we can see God's plan from beginning to end. And so in a passage like this, it's helpful to remember that because when we zoom out, we can see that there really is more going on here than just this kind of everyday occurrence of this business deal or treaty. So if you remember in the life of Abraham, that's where we'll zoom out. We'll zoom out just a little bit. What is going on in the life of Abraham? Genesis 12 really frames the whole structure of Abraham's life. At the very beginning, God gives these promises. He says, go from your country, Genesis 12, 1, and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So as we read through the life of Abraham, as we're studying it, that really helps us see what's going on. All of the life of Abraham is really fitting into these verses, how God is bringing this about, how God's developing these promises, how Abraham is believing these promises or failing to believe them. They're all connected back. This is how we can view it through this lens in chapter 12. And so when we come to chapter 21, we can see that as well. You remember last week, something amazing happened, something big happens, almost the climax of Abraham's life, the birth of Isaac. This is the fulfillment of the promise of offspring to, to the beginning of making Abraham into a great nation, right? And so then here in the second half, the first half is about God starting to fulfill his promise to make him into a great nation. The second half is really the beginning of the promise of bringing blessing, making Abraham a blessing, bringing him some part of the land, as we see with the well, and making him a blessing to the nations. So we see this in the first half, it's the offspring that God's starting to bring about. In the second half, it's this blessing to the nations, this land promise that God's starting to bring about. And so when we zoom out, we can see, hey, this may seem like an ordinary event, but really this has some significance to the life, to the promises of Abraham. And really, if we think about how life, our life usually happens, we can think that's usually how it happens with us too, right? Most of our life is just lives in the ordinary, everyday life, everyday events. Sometimes we have these big mountaintop experiences. You know, I think as a, as a kid going to camp or having retreats or conferences, there are these big experiences where you can almost sense the nearness of God, right? And those are amazing. But those are usually not the main part of our lives. They're only a fraction of it. Most of our life is lived in just the everyday life, the everyday decisions and repeated uh, nature of it. And so this is usually how God is working. It's usually through these ordinary events like this that every day God is just continually, just a little bit, continuing to work his promises out. 
And so we get a glimpse of this here with Abraham. We know that God in our lives usually works through the ordinary, right? Sometimes he'll work through, like I said, major moments where things just click and we get it and it's amazing. But usually it's just through the everyday Bible reading, the everyday moments in prayer that God continues to chip away, to work at us, to change our hearts so that we continue to draw closer to him. It's nothing flashy. And that's what we see here in the life of Abraham. Usually we want, we think the main things are done in the, in the great moments. But really as we read through the Bible, this is not unique to Abraham. We see that great moments are in the everyday moments of faithfulness. In the everyday moments where God works through his word, he works through his what you might call ordinary means of grace. The way he usually, he ordinarily gives us grace and changes us through the Bible reading, prayer, and spiritual disciplines. And so as we, you know, as we've zoomed out, we've zoomed in, we've seen a little bit. As we zoom out, we see a little bit more about how this is connecting and what we should learn from it. And as we zoom out even more, we can remember that Abraham's not the only person in the Bible. Right, he's not the only thing that's happening. Genesis 12 through 24, or 23 or 25, depending on how you count it, those aren't the only chapters in the Bible. Right, Abraham's life is just a little piece of what God is doing throughout all of history. And so, when we see how he fits into this larger picture, we can see uh, even more of what we can grasp from this, what we can glean from this passage. So you remember the main thing that's happening, we could say, is Abraham's bringing blessing to the nations. These are Philistines, which is interesting and probably worth thinking about in itself. But God's starting to bring blessing to the nations through Abraham. And so we remember in the life of Abraham that he's really not the one who's going to bless all the nations. Right? We, we've read here, even this is just a little bit, a little bit of goodness, a little bit of impact on the people around him. Abraham's not changing the world right, through this or through his life, we might say. So it reminds us that God's made this promise. I'm going to bless all the nations, all the people groups of the earth through you. And so we see Abraham and we see his life that, well, he didn't do that through Abraham, so it must be coming later. It must be through someone else that's going to complete this, fully bring about this promise. And so we, we keep reading. We think, well, is it Isaac? Is it his son that's going to do this? Because God gives the same promise to him. We look and we think, no, it's not him. Is it, is it Jacob? He receives the same promise. No, we keep reading. We keep reading. We see David come. And now there's a bigger impact on the nations. Right, But we see, no, it's still not him. And we get to Solomon, we think, this is it. This is him because of the influence on all the world. Right, We see people coming from the farthest reaches, the farthest nations. But then we see even through his life, no, it's, it's not him who's going to fulfill these promises. And so we keep reading and we keep going through the Bible. And we see when we get to the Gospels, we see the announcement of Jesus. And that the whole world, the whole world, all the earth will be impacted through him, will receive these promises that through Jesus, Paul says, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He's the fulfillment 
of this promise. So much so that Paul was able to say that God was preaching the gospel to Abraham. He was preaching the good news of Jesus when he was saying that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. That was pointing us forward to Jesus. This is the good news. It's coming later, but it's coming. It's going to be through Jesus. And so as we think of Abraham's life and how he fits, we can zoom out and we can see he's, he's teaching us a pattern. He's setting our minds up. He's helping us to start think a certain way that God has promised to, to bring about this blessing, this relationship with people through Abraham. And then it doesn't happen yet, but we're still waiting for God to bring people, nations, all the peoples of the earth into this relationship with him. And so we keep waiting and we, we have this thought in our head and then when we get to Jesus, we see, oh, this is it. This is it. That's why the people in the temple, you remember how there were people at the time when Jesus was born, the people who remembered the law, who remembered the promises, they, they saw Jesus and they knew this is it. He is the one. And Mary, Mary understood that that's what they were talking about because they knew the promises. They knew they were thinking like God had prepared them to think in the Old Testament. And so they were waiting for Jesus, the one who would bring this blessing to all the nations. So this blessing, this, this salvation, it comes through Jesus, and Abraham is preparing us for that. He helps us to start think that, thinking that way. And so as we, we've zoomed in, we've seen the specifics of what God's doing in this very moment with Abraham. We learn some about wisdom, wisdom from that. We zoom out a little, we see that, oh, this is God being faithful to his promises to continue to do in his life what he's promised. And then we zoom out even farther and we see, well, God's not done fulfilling his promise that Ultimately, this, this promise that was started in Abraham is going to be fulfilled in Jesus so that Paul could say that all the, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. He's the full fulfillment of everything that was promised before. And so this is really a, it's sometimes called biblical theology, but it's tracing these ideas through the Bible. And so it's helpful for us to do that, to remember this is not just individual stories that are pieced together, but God has this overarching plan as well that this is part of it, and it's all pointing towards Jesus, especially when we read the Old Testament. And so to zoom back in as we, uh, as we finish our thoughts on this passage we zoom back in and we, we have to think, we see Abraham at the end here in verse 33, planting a, a tamarisk tree and calling on the name of the Lord. And that is, that's an act of worship. We've seen this before, right after God made the promise, he called on the name of the Lord. We've seen this a few times in his life. This is, this is shorthand for Abraham is worshiping God. There's something in this, in this ordinary event that made Abraham want to stop and worship God. And when we zoom out, we can start to see that, that Abraham understood that God had made those promises, that he had promised offspring, he had promised this little bit of land, he had promised the land, he had promised to make him into a great nation, and 
make him a blessing to other people. And Abraham, even in this small way, Abraham could see that God was doing that. God was working in him to bring that about, and it made him want to worship. It made him want to praise God. And even in our lives, we know that even in those little moments, there are ways that God is fulfilling his promise. There are ways that God is bringing about his plans, and we can praise him in the everyday events of life, that nothing is going to thwart his plan. He's the everlasting God, like Abraham calls him here in this passage. His plans will continue forever. Abraham knew that all the promises of God that he had made to him weren't going to be fulfilled in his lifetime. We, we read that in Hebrews. He kind of understood that, that it wasn't all going to happen in his lifetime, but he had faith that it was coming. He got to see some of it. He got to see his son Isaac born. He got to see a little bit of the land come to him, but the major fulfillment wasn't until later in his life. And so this passage leaves us with Abraham still sojourning, still waiting, but still able to rejoice that he knows that this is starting to happen and God will complete it. And so he's still a foreigner. He's not home yet, but he's looking forward to the city of God, the heavenly country, Emmanuel's land. And that is what keeps him moving forward and hoping in God. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are thankful for your word. Sometimes we, we wish that life would not be so ordinary and seemingly monotonous. Sometimes in, when it's not ordinary, we wish it would go back to being ordinary. But God, we are thankful that you never stop working your plan, that whether life is full of interruptions and seeming chaos, or whether it is full of the same routine over and over every day, that you have still planned this to work out your plans, that you are still with us, you are still taking care of us, and you will continue to change us to look more like Jesus. You will continue to work your plan until the final day when you have brought people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to know you, when you have made all things new, that all of life that we're going through now is headed on that trajectory. God, we pray that we would remember that, that we would long for that, that our lives would line up with Abraham's life as he looked forward to that day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.